Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the Comics Reviews Editor of Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more, to more to Come on iTunes and on social media, specifically on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. This week on More to Come, DC Comics goes for girls and for superheroes. The Eisner nominations, Mocha Arts Fest and the New World of Comics shows, Valiant Movie Deals, uh, Check Please, and LGBT Comics on Kickstarter. So, um, DC Superhero Girls. Yes, uh, uh, finally. A, a new venture. What, they waited. They had to get everybody uh, encapsulated on the West Coast uh, <laughs> yes, before yeah, they could actually make it safe to announce in. that they were doing superhero books that were aimed at girls 6 to 12. Yeah, so this is no mix. No. Um, this is, uh, imprint this is, for this, quirky comics. Well, it says features a completely new artistic style and aesthetic. Mm. DC icons. It's Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Bumblebee, Poison Ivy, Katana, and many more. Okay. Make their unprecedented teenaged introduction uh-huh. each character has her own storyline that explores what teen life is like as a superhero and discovering her unique abilities nurturing her remarkable powers and mastering the <laughs> fundamentals of being a hero see i feel like that sounds like one book with a bunch of different characters pasted on it but well, hopefully well, the actual stories will be more creative than well, that what yes. you know this ain't just books this no. is this, this is, is a pretty- digital content tv specials made for video stuff. Yeah. They're Book, gonna, books, toys. They're, yeah, books, toys are doing... It's Mattel. Uh, well, it's Mat- Random House. Mat- it's Lego. Yeah, Mattel will be re- releasing its first ever uh, line of action figures uh, aimed at girls. So, uh, you know, dolls for girls. This is so innovative that um, people are really going to stand up <laughs> and take notice. See, now girls finally have dolls that they can use that, that like, can... Do poses other than just falling over, right? So right. you know, I, I feel like this is an advance. Yeah. Well, it's it's very it's a very interesting. I I mean, I mean the the you know past ten years uh, have been littered with various internet favorites where certain artists would say, you know, I pitched a comic to DC about young Diana growing up, and you know the Bildungsroman. Uh, genre, and it would be this really adorable, cute-looking thing about young Diana doing things that YA readers and young girls might like to read about, and uh, they were all shot down, and everyone would be like, why don't we have a book like this? You know, why doesn't Diane Nelson do something like this? And, and like I said, it looks like she was just waiting to get everybody yeah. into her clutches, and then <laughs> yes. she would say, we're doing yeah, this. Yeah, but on the other hand, thing. like, I think... Well, certainly, you wouldn't want to do it in, like, the six months while they were moving. No. Um... I really don't see any reason why we couldn't have had some of this a little earlier. But hey, it's here now, so that's good. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think... I mean, what's going to be interesting is to see, I mean, who are the authors? Who are the creative teams? Yes. I mean, one of the problems with Minx, of course, was that they <laughs> they created these comics supposedly for a, a young teen audience, a young female teen audience, and they had no 
kind of female teen writers. At least yeah. not at the beginning. Yeah. They did later yeah. on. Uh, I think they had one early on. Uh, but, you know, hopefully they've learned quite a bit since yes, then. Yes, they have been. You know, I think one of the things that they've learned is that uh, Disney's very successful. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, I mean, this looks, they set yeah. up a piece of art that's actually very nice. I like it. Yeah. And, um, you know, what is the, I've said this many times on this podcast before, what is the number one licensed brand in the world? It is Disney Princesses around the world, billion dollar franchise. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, let's yeah. get the girls. And if you look at it, I mean, it's really great. You know, they have Katana in there. They've been trying to promote Katana for a while. She's the Asian female. And they found Bumblebee. Bumblebee is an old teen titan who is uh-huh. uh, happens to be a an African-American girl. So there they even go. they found some diversity. They they went through that library and found the diversity. Believe me, I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's cute. She's cute she's as adorable. the dickens. She's They're adorable. all adorable. They're all adorable. Yeah. But I will say Katana uh, is a spitting image of Mulan uh, down to her, you know, mm-hmm. like the costume. And everyone's got pants. Well, I mean, she has it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Supergirl. Yes. She has a, she's she got has a skirt. You know, she has uh, a and Converse. Mm-hmm. She has a Japanese sword instead of a Chinese one. The the armor and swords are slightly different. You yes, know? that's true. Don't <laughs> um, go all yes, nerdy on this well, now. Well, well, but you know, have you seen the art? I know it looks, different world cultures exist, Calvin. Indeed. I don't think that's that. But I, I'm just saying the actual concept art reminds but me for, very strongly well, yes. of Mulan. And uh, that yes, uh, Supergirl has a flirty skirt. Uh, the rest are wearing pants. Even mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is wearing pants now, yeah. and or at least biker well, but shorts. Harley so. Quinn was wearing pants all along. Harley well, Quinn is a pants wearer. Pants. Yeah, well, hot <laughs> pants and fishnets. I don't <laughs> think that's as, as well, aspirational for no, a, a no, six-year-old. Okay. Well, no, Harley Quinn originally wore yes. like actual facts pants. Yes. Um, they may have uh, disintegrated somewhere in the last few years, but I'm glad they're back. <laughs> um, but you know. Part of what makes this interesting is that uh, Warner Brothers has been infamous for the last few years for shooting down their cartoons when it turned out that too many girls would watch them because they always made the argument that girls don't buy toys. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently the toy companies told them they were wrong. Well, this could end up being a minx on a larger scale. It could. You know, it I could. mean, if you have a Mattel that um, is, you know, doing this initial line of girl superhero action figures, and, you know, a lot of people there probably don't think that girls are going to buy these, and a lot of times that becomes a self-referencing yeah. narrative. But that said, uh, you know, Mattel has um barbie and they definitely know how to sell toys to girls so yeah. um you know we don't know what these are going to look like exactly uh, yeah. so it could be under that guise as yeah well. well i mean i think well i think mattel wouldn't do it unless mattel thought it could make money well yes exactly and um there and this we, is, i should this say mattel's actually having problems with barbie right now so this is probably right. opening yeah. up to a yeah. whole yeah. i mean sales are flat and actually down well I mattel needs to do something new uh so, that was right. one thing so at, this is perfect Fair. for them right. they're yeah. looking to get girls and to come up with maybe something that now girls want as opposed yeah. to because barbie has a lot of um competition with dolls that have a theme other than doll right and and, you know nothing has legs it seems creative property wise like well-known superheroes so uh, we'll see how it goes you know i'm just i'm just reading for the press release here just because it's a pretty ambitious press release a random house books for young readers has been appointed Mm -hmm. master publishing partner will be creative portfolio books 
beginning in spring 2016. So this is already underway. They've yeah. been working on this. Oh, yeah, because yeah, the books are coming uh, out. Random House's soon. publishing program would be complemented by a series of original graphic novels yes. from mm-hmm. DC Entertainment. The Lego Group will also be key to building the DC Superhero Girls franchise, leveraging their experience and success, engaging girls, creative construction play to bolster this universe through an array of Lego building sets designed to inspire girls' imaginations. You know, Lego has success with girls and Lego has success with superheroes. I can see how Lego Mm -hmm. might see they had success with superheroes for girls. Well, you know what? I think uh, I would love to see the marketing report that bolstered this initiative. I'm I'm sure it's pretty interesting. I will say this. Back in the day when they launched Minx, they put a chunk of money behind mm-hmm. it. They yeah. did. Um, uh, print ads up the wild. We did a, PW did a big splashy story mm-hmm. about the launch. Yeah. Uh, and this was back in the day. You know, so, but it's a different landscape now. It's certainly a different DC Comics well, now. And it's yeah. a very different product. Yes, yeah, Makes- absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Minx was YA done by people who had no experience with YA. For the most part, For the yeah. most part. For the most part. And it... it it didn't really have the seemingly like focused brand identity. This appears to even from that. First and they were image. also mm-hmm. oddly, and I mean, I mean, in some ways, this was wasn't the worst thing they did. But they were, you know, they really chose a style of drawing. I think in comic also, they was really aimed at a kind of indie comics marketplace. Mm-hmm. Now, this is directly at the superhero mainstream. Right. Well, you know, Minx was a short nine years ago, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was killed in two thousand eight. Uh, and guess what? A lot. I mean, we. I think we talked about this before, but I mean, my God, things happen so fast. Yeah, things. The market and changes. Like fast. even from 2006. Uh, I mean, that's almost 10 years. Uh, you have a whole generation of new readers and comics, yeah, do. and. Um, you know, I think this is probably aimed at mothers, uh, maybe, who will want to buy this stuff for their kids. Yeah. And, I, I, again, we've talked about this many times, but, um, you know, they have always done a lot of mark, uh, licensed uh, stuff with, say, Wonder Woman and Batgirl. And they for, sold. For adult women. Oh. And uh, there has been a complete lack of anything in this for this age group uh, with those characters. Well, uh, aside from costumes, but right. like yeah. Halloween costumes. Halloween yeah. costumes and t-shirts, and that's about it. Right. You can get a t-shirt, mm-hmm. but you can't get a comic. Yeah. You can get a t-shirt, but you can't get a toy. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's changing. Yeah. yeah. That's changing. And, you know, I want to yeah. just, you know, we didn't have this on our story list, but just to throw in there, I don't, sure. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been an outcry this week about event, uh, Marvel's Age of Ultron merchandising because yes. Black Widow Black is not nowhere in it. to yes. be seen on yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, Good there's point. been some stories from insiders talking about this, about how, uh, you know, but Kate, what you were just saying about, about you know, toys. There's, doesn't girl sell toys don't toys. sell. Yeah, girl toys don't sell. And, uh, you know, I will say that Disney very clearly does not want its Marvel brand to cross over to, bo- to, gir- to girls because... Uh, it's not a crossover to girls. It doesn't want it to stray far from what boys are comfortable with because it's their boy brand. And boys are so friggin' sensitive. They just can't deal with a girl, a girl on their lunchbox. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think they... Let's put it this way. I think there's probably room for marketing female Avengers properties, but I think they're just trying to get this brand as strong as possible mm-hmm. before they start branching out yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, and I, I, Disney I, thinks very long term. Absolutely, and I mean it. It is uh, upsetting that Gamera and Black Widow uh, are not appearing on some of this licensed merchandise. I mean, I do think that's very short sighted in, in in a lot of ways. 
But um, I also like the toys. I, there's been a little bit of miscommunication. I mean, you there are Gamera toys, there are Black Widow toys, I own them. there are Scarlet Witch toys. Yeah, yeah, and they are part of some of the Hasbro lines. It's just they're not part of the apparel the, and licensing yeah. for well, young boys. Well, part yeah. of it is the word licensing. Yeah, like these are not these. Most of the items that you see that are Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy or anything are not made by Disney. They just some company says, "Oh, I want to make fruit snacks," and Disney says, "Okay." And then the fruit snack company decides what characters they want to put on the fruit snacks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I I don't think this is really completely on Disney. I think it says something about the state of the market as a whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, Disney can also Disney, yeah, can make can, can dictate to its licensees how you know. You know, I I would like to point out that Disney's licensing program is right consumer products is run quite a bit by uh, Ike Perlmutter and he definitely has a very binary view of, yeah. of this so you know I think some of that influence might be there um, but um, you know I, w- uh, I would like to mention something you guys yeah. just you know clickbait um, has anybody seen the age of Ultron cereal it is the laziest tie in cereal you ever saw <laughs> no what's what, well, we no seen I can't it, say that it, I have. have you tasted it I mean what's the deal well yeah. okay here's the deal now, a lot of tie-in cereals put in at least a little effort. For example, yeah. when there was the Star Trek one, it had things sort of shaped like the Star Trek symbol. Sure. You know, they, they try at least a little. Right. The fruit snacks are actually shaped kind of like the characters a bit. Okay. But the cereal <laughs> okay. just has <laughs> circles. I'm curious oh, to dear. see what this just has Just has circles that are sort of in vaguely avengery colors. So you can have a marshmallow circle that's the same color as Thor. Um which yeah, that's is blue. Blue. Yeah. Or red. Yes, yeah, so you have a round circle that is blue. You know what, Kate? You have touched on a real scandal. <laughs> well, it's it's not, well, it's just you know It annoys it's, you apparently. <laughs> well, no, it just sort of had me cackling because it, you know, this is what I mean about the licensing. You know, if Disney was making a cereal, they would at least have a hammer-shaped marshmallow. Uh, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Well, I don't right. But lazy that, licensees, man. It, you know it's what? true. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here with another item we didn't have on the on the agenda, but um, did everybody see the Hot Topic Avengers line of clothing? No, I did not. Well, uh, it's actually designed by Her Universe. Actually designed mm-hmm. by, you know, Her Universe is the female nerd clothing line designed yep. by Ashley Eckstein, who actually does a voice in the Star Wars cartoon. Uh-huh. And uh, they had a fashion contest at last year's Comic-Con, and the two winners of that contest designed this line of clothes yeah. for Hot Topic. And it's like, you know, dresses and a Black Widow jacket. It's actually a very, Did very cool? attractive. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. very, very yeah. stylish, actually. Very, very yeah, imaginative, do. very... Uh, reasonably priced. All the uh, items are about sixty bucks. So, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't, we're, we're going to be entering the period very soon where you will see Age of Ultron everywhere. Uh, so, what do you mean? Yeah. Oh, entering? We're yeah, there. I guess it we're already next there. Friday, man. I guess we're already so, there. So yeah. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was so much excitement about this line when it was announced uh, yesterday. But but anyway, let's face it. We're in a world of cross brand, yes. cross gender marketing. Uh, you know, women will wear an Iron Man dress, and maybe someday a boy will carry a lunchbox with a female superhero on it. Yeah. Well, the, there actually are occasionally some, but you don't see them that often. It yeah. depends on the company. All right. Okay. Eisner nominations. Yeah. Um, how about that? Um, let's go down the list, huh? Uh, well, do we want to talk about? Read, but I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I'd like to mention some of the specific sure. book nominations. Go right of course. ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, for best graphic album, 
uh, new. Now, you know, obviously, Eisner's break things down to the best graphic album and best graphic novel graphic novel album reprint, which means basically collected from periodicals. Uh, but under the new category, uh, the, what is it, six titles nominated are The Gigantic Beard That Was Evil uh, by Stephen Collins from Picador. Uh, here, the fabulous work by Richard McGuire from Pantheon. This work of like, that takes you, that looks at history through one corner of a room. Uh, Kill My Mother by the uh, incredible Jules Pfeiffer from Liverite. The Motherless Oven by Rob Davis, Self-Made Hero, which I never got a chance to read. Seconds by Brian Lee O'Malley, Valentine Books. And, of course, This One Summer by the hottest woman cartoonist in America, Jillian Tamaki, and, uh, and her cousin, uh, Mariko Tamaki, from First Second. And those, that's, those are new graphic novels. Now, do, do we want to bounce around a little bit well, instead I, of me just here reading I, off I, the well, list? Well, you know what? I think... I, should, I think- I think just to to uh, you know the top vote getters, the yeah, top go for the, yeah, the top the publishers. The, the We're going to jump around Ms. Marvel, the different categories. Yeah. Uh, uh, got Ms. a bunch. Saga Ms. got a bunch. Um, yeah. Ms. Marvel is actually up for best new series. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Lumber sure as is Lumberjanes, yes. a Rocket Raccoon, which I don't think is. Um, <clears throat> it's up for it, but I, I certainly hope it doesn't win. Um, uh, you know, other books that got a lot of nominations were uh, Astro City and Multiversity, the, yes, uh, yes, the, Grant, yeah. Morrison, the Grant Morrison oh, yeah. series. Uh, at series some point, we should and, talk about that series. Uh, Sandman Overture. So some returning um, yeah. uh, it, Eisner favorites. Uh, it was a big year for Windsor McKay um, <laughs> yes. reprints yes. Uh, and tributes. Uh, in particular, we'd like to point out that the... Um, the Locust Moon, the Philadelphia bookstore, Locust Moon, bookstore slash publisher, Locust Moon, their uh, Little Nemo Dream Another Dream, this massive full-color yes. tribute work uh, to this this classic comic strip uh, was got a nomination, if not more than one. What does it get here? Uh, They've got a, yeah. Yes. And also, yes. the original complete Little Nemo yes. is yes. up for Best Archival pro- yes. Project. Yes. I mean, there's a number. And then IDW's Cook competing Little Nemo Reimagination also got like a whole bunch of nominations so little so, it is huge year for Winsor McKay yes. yeah just looking little at the Nemo's pub- big year looking at the publisher categories with Fantagraphics had 15 nominations uh, Marvel and DC what had 14 apiece something like that um, the Saga series is, was nominated for all the things that won in last year right yet again so uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples Keeping it real. Yeah. yeah and they're, they're going to keep knocking it out of the park, yeah. quality-wise, yeah. whether mean, or not they get the awards. I mean, there's no, listen, there's no real clangers on here. I no, mean, uh, no there's no head-deskers. There's no head-deskers. I'm a little bit disappointed. I have to be honest. I'm a little bit disappointed that the graphic novels that got, you know, overwhelmingly got recognized last year, uh, such as... Um, you know, can't we talk about something more pleasant by Rush Chast mm-hmm. and this one summer by the Tamakis? And only got one nomination apiece, and you know things like Multiversity got a ton of nominations because to <laughs> me, and you know, it's Sandman Overture. It's like, yeah, you know, okay, well, I, we I already think, knew that. Yeah, I think these nominations are kind of a real mix between the old and the new of comics. Actually, uh, I mean, you see mm-hmm. some old yeah. war horses like Astro City, Sandman, and. Mm-hmm. And you know multiversity, which you know no, you know multiversity is is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying Frank Whiteley and Grant Morrison don't make thrilling comics, but it's also unless you've read eight hundred thousand other 
other DC comics, <laughs> you don't get it because it's like there's literally panels that reference other. I mean, there's like annotations out the yin yang on these things. <laughs> that is true, though. I They're tell like you, some 80s of these comics, Marvel comics, man. I mean, some of the. I mean, they're so these various iterations, these various nods to uh, to comic book history. I mean, um. they are so. Iconic in their own way. Um, I, you know, I, unfortunately, I don't have the names of all of the series right on the tips of my tongue. But at some point, we sh- I think we ought to uh, bring in some of those comics and talk about some of them. Well, yeah. They are quite interesting. You, you don't mean, always you have to have read them all. But if you have read them all, right. that's you're right. going to benefit right. the most from Well, they from were definitely them. written with that in mind. Let's yes. With, that with way. A, but, you know, just, I, again, I, I think, you know, as an I, Calvin, you were an Eisner judge, right? Yes, yes, and many I, years ago I, now. And but so yes. was I many years ago. Okay, and I'm, but I'm sure the process is pretty much the same. Uh, yeah. and, and your uh, inclination on the jury, the panel, is to give as many nods to as many people as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, well, you yes. go through a weekend of total immersion. Yes, you do. It is but like a dream comic it, book. It weekend. is, but I, All I, you do I, is I say, comics. but like again, I, I think it's 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 sort of like you know, a couple keywords will get some momentum going. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like I mean, for instance, to me, it's it's like. How could you not nominate Julian Tamaki as best penciler anchor? You know, I mean, it's just she did such a like this one summer yeah. to me was like the book of the year, and again it got like one nomination. I mean, how could you not nominate maybe some of these people who did great work in graphic novels as best writer artist or best penciler anchor or best yeah. writer? You know, I mean, I would just love to see things kind of. You know, I'd love to see it. It it it. Well, don't you think that they cross pollinate a little bit? Yeah, more? but don't you think that they kind of use this to sort of? I mean, I think some of these technical awards also. Um, uh, I know they're aesthetic as well, but they seem to be aimed at really another area, another era of comics. Production. Yeah, yes, that's true. And you know, um, the Eisners are almost thirty years old. So that's yeah, kind of and and they they don't want to really get give them or just turn them into you know an ink pot type award yes. so uh yeah i mean personally i think that the yeah I well think maybe i'm, I'm gonna just, leave it at that well yeah. i think i think it wouldn't hurt to keep that many awards and keep technical awards but maybe update the category slightly yeah or I, I mean, I don't think we need more categories. I don't Eisner's think so either. There's I mean, too I mean, many I mean, like, categories. Replace a category with yeah. another category I, I that mean, is more up to date. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm disappointed. I'm just noting. I'm just noting this to me because it's, it's, it just seems like, like, you know, again, the comics that got... Like, we have two different crowds here. At least two different crowds. You know, one of them is the Wednesday crowd we've talked about, and then the other is the graphic novel crowd. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Yeah. The graphic novel crowd is coming on strong, okay? Yeah. Yes. And, and the things that are crossovers between those two crowds, those are the ones that have gotten, like, a million nominations. Yeah, but they didn't, actually. I'm trying to say, like, Saga did very well, but, you know, very few people... Like, Multiversity is, is a periodical, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not... Again, these are all really excellent comics. I'm not trying to yeah. say they're not. I, I, I'm just noting that, that to me... And like, next year, they'll be... They'll be packaged in the right. book collection, yeah. and it'll be in the reprint. Yeah, albums. exactly. So, but to me, it's curious that you know, like you're saying, Kate, like the craft categories are very segregated from people who work in graphic novels. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think part of the book world ethos is that you know you award uh, a book a prize on the basis of it as a whole thing. The notion that, that you know you break it down into the inking and the t- it's 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 a pure comics wor- comics industry 
mentality. I, I, don't, and I don't think so. I I'm think not sure it needs. I'm not sure they it needs. I, I, in fact, I don't have a problem with them wanting to give those awards or giving them to you know more specialists in the field as opposed to giving them both to say Jillian. Mm-hmm. Best yeah. graphic novel and best inker, even though the inking is you know off the charts. Right. Well, they don't have a best inking category yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. or but, uh, but, lettering or but, whatever. But, yeah, you know, I think you, you could look at it as not like the book awards, but like the Oscars, because unlike books which typically have one parent or possibly mm-hmm. two, you know, comics tend to have a lot of people yeah. behind them, yeah, and I think they just want to recognize everybody and give everyone a chance. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they, they've been expanding them. Like, you know, there used to be Best Publication for Kids, and now there's three different publications. Yeah. There's Best Early Readers for Kids and for Teens, you know? And so, I, and I don't, I'm, I'm not disputing think, that either. You know, in the, early, in the early, well, through, uh, the National Book Awards are the pre, primo yes. prestigious uh, American Literary Book Right. Uh, when it first launched and on through most of the 1970s, it had as many, if not more, categories than the yeah. Eisners. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that they changed all that was that they felt like nobody knew who won. Because it seemed like everybody, everybody won. won. <laughs> <laughs> so it was sometime, I believe, in the late 1970s that they got rid of all of the technical awards. Uh, and they, they turned it, and they created three awards. And then like, the most recent one they added was Children's Young People's mm-hmm. Literature. But it's Fiction, nonfiction, and what am I? I'm leaving something on yeah. poetry. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would and be young people's literature. I would be interested, actually. I mean, not I'm not not proposing that anyone start a new comic book award, but it would be interesting to see comic book awards presented along the lines of genre, the way you know the that say the Pulitzers do. Like the Pulitzers give awards in different categories of mm-hmm. work, you know, like journalism or for poetry or for. Well, they you know, have five essays. book categories. Yeah, but I mean, they're, the Pulitzers are given out for magazines, newspapers, yes. and, and books. books. Right, and but books. the books are, and books are and like music. fiction and nonfiction. It's fiction, and nonfiction. Uh, it's fiction, nonfiction, general fiction, um, but history, general nonfiction, um, poetry, and I'm leaving something out. Right, right. Uh, so it's a curious, but it's still a fairly select group right 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 but like the LA Book Times prizes which we'll be talking f- about a little they bit have they, have, they have a fair number of awards they have like about 12 different yeah, but they anyway, do. anyway but I mean you including know, graphic you, novels there are different awards that <laughs> yes. have there are different book awards that have different genres okay there's Absolutely. like literary Absolutely. biography and you know Absolutely. so, so but that's a good point the yeah, LA Times yeah, there is there about 12 there categories a, you know the, the, a comics award has, has just uh, what you were saying Calvin it's, it's kind of very much set up on the production process and there hasn't yeah. been a comics award that really recognizes uh, books and genres such as that. Although yeah. there's quite a few genres in the Eisners. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, I, what I've noticed in the Eisners is the way they're organized. Is there, I mean, not talking the technical ones, talking like the the book Eisners, um, they're organized like in this super processy kind of way where it's just like, well, was it a limited series or an original graphic novel? Is right. it a, you know, like, uh, it, it should be. And don't you love best reality-based work. Yeah. I've always found that to be... I mean... You mean... But that... It doesn't even mean non-fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it means naturalistic fiction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do feel like maybe the book categories could be reorganized in a way that 
recognizes content more instead of just like, well, what kind of paper was it printed on? Well, well, you know, I listen. I think that um, you know, once you've served as an Eisner judge, you can never be an Eisner judge again. It's a one-time honor. And uh, Jackie Estrada, she does. You know, sometimes people pick on Jackie about this or that. But you know what? She does a very, very consistent, a, a very strong job yeah. of putting this together. Yeah, it's right? a the tough Eisner's job. are and, great. Yeah, it's a tough and, job. Uh, I think, you know, it depends so much on the judging panel. But you know what? Heidi predicts, as time goes on a little bit, I do think that new readers or new judges are going to have... I think they're going to want to evolve it a little bit more. So we'll yeah. see. Do they really have any control over the categories, yes. though? Yes, the judges yes, can, they can... They dropped the category add, this year. They can add or drop categories. Yeah. They can, they can oh, propose. Individual juries can add a category if they wish, or they can say to drop it. This year they did drop Best Media Tie-In Comic. Mm. So. As well they I should. Think that yeah. I, I'm going to be bold and predict, um, and of course no one will hold me accountable for it, mm-hmm. that they are going to reduce the number of categories, not anytime soon, but right. over time. I think so, too. I think so. But I mean, for instance, it, it, here's the you know, best use edition of international material, mm-hmm. and then best edition of international material, Asia. So, yeah. yeah, they should we'll not split called, those up. We'll just call manga. Well, you know what? I think they wanted to have an award for manga, and the other yeah. one is for Euro comics. So I, I'm yeah. not necessarily. And that's opposed, exactly what it is. I'm not opposed yeah. to having a you know one category for manga because otherwise you wouldn't see like uh, all you need is kill in mm-hmm. clothes called mm-hmm. fat Master Keaton One Punch Man Showa and Wolf Children and yeah. and Emmy and, and Yuki all nominated and you yeah. know Mayako yeah. anytime because that I, was a problem at one yes, point manga was yeah. not getting any kind of you yeah. see Yurosawa and Mayako Ano my two favorites yes. and Shigeru Mizuki all nominated yeah. for an Eisner you yes. know it's not yeah. the same without them yeah so, and then of they, course you have the Euro comic yeah. side as well. So, with, uh, which beautiful, is where beautiful Darkness was nominated, Black Sard Amarillo, uh, Corto Matisse, um, Under the Sign of Capricorn, <coughs> amazing collection from IDW, Jay Bird by Lori and um, Jaiko Aonen. Uh-huh. And, and the Leaning Girl, right? Which came out for nobody saw that book. So yeah. you know these Eisner judges are pretty sharp. <laughs> Bless you, Calvin. Bless you. Mm. Where did um, that come from? That <clears throat> was fine. Cut it out. Um. Anyway. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't have to know what that means. Okay. Um, anything else we uh, haven't covered with the Eisner nominations? No, I think we've got it covered. Yeah. Let's move no, on. there's nothing more to come. Well, there's once. always more to come. No, there's the actual uh, awards to yeah. come, yeah. but uh, That's moving long. on. All right. You know, okay. San Diego's only 77 days away, guys. <laughs> okay. Which is uh, a huge chunk of a year. Okay. That's well, exciting. Excuse me, I'm going to be absent because I just peed in my pants. Right <laughs> All right, let's segue from there into uh, Mocha Arts Fest um, a week ago, uh, and also some real new developments in, uh, or, or well, in many ways, complaints. old. New you know complaints. what? New complaints. New, new yeah, complaints. And, and, and not topics we haven't talked about before, but an interesting um, new trends in the world of comics. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we had some coverage from Mocha last time, and, you know, we wrote a story about it. I don't want to go too much, but, you know, it was awesome because it had a great new venue that we loved, and it was wonderful. It was a beautiful day. People could, you know, go outside, hang out on the roof, drink a glass of wine. It was idyllic. Yes. Buy comics, read comics, hanging on the roof. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, that will never. So ever that's not going to happen again. again. <laughs> that was, yeah, memory. Yeah, that was the 548 Center over on West 22nd Street. Uh, programming was held at the nearby Highline Hotel. Also, a delightful venue. Oh yes, I walked by the place but had never been inside I of know, it. No, it was it's like a, a, an Episcopalian seminary. 
that like everything else in Manhattan, including the 548 Center Space, um, which will be happening in the future, uh, turned into a condominium. Well, it was a hotel in this case, but there are condominiums uh, part of that were part of it also right behind it. Yeah, uh, but no, it was great. And um, the building was sold, and it's going to be turned into something else yep, next year. So goodbye, bye, bye. Buddy. Most people seem to really dig the space. Yes, um, it was crowded both days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seemed to mostly be uh, positives about sales. Yeah. No, I'm not certain. Just to segue into the new complaint that we're talking about, I'm not certain if the new venue had the same number of exhibitors as the old Armory, or I had heard it was less, but mm. to me it seemed like it was a pretty good selection. Seems so. I mean, there, good- was, there were more than 400, um, yeah. and I don't know what how many exhibitors they've had in the past. I can't remember off the top of my head. Right. But, uh, you know, there was a, a, a complaint uh, lodged by... Well, uh, some, some complaints brought up by uh, Steve Bissett, who works at the uh, Center for Cartoon Studies, and he had a post on Facebook where he was talking about how people are being excluded from these calves as we talk about them. You know, we're always talking about the calves, and uh, that's, you know, no room at the calf. And it's true. You know, <laughs> TCAF and SPX are are the most popular comic arts festivals, uh, and they are very hard to get into. Like, SPX has a lottery. It has a literal lottery. You know, TCAF is not only strongly juried, but they even said that you couldn't come two years in a row unless you had a book that was so deserving that it had to come two years in a row. So, uh, and... and But let's be clear. I mean, these are space issues, to my mind. Well, they are, but I, I think what the subtext of this was was that... Uh, well, I mean, one of the comments and the thread, and it's public, so was um, David Chelsea, uh, an artist you know. Of course, yeah. Very well. Absolutely. Calvin. I'm stunned that he wasn't able to get... Right. <laughs> I'm sure he felt the same way. Right. Well, he complained that he couldn't get into line work, uh, NW, which was just held. Yeah. Um, I mean, a pioneering uh, graphic novel artist. Yeah. Talented and, guy. But he said that he couldn't get in, and yet he had been accepted into the uh, into Wizard World. So, you know, that's a little bit... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, well... Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can understand. I mean, I, though... I, mean, I, I don't know what the, uh, the the answer to this is. I mean, a lot. Of, I, I'm sure some of the complaints are, and we talked about this yes. a little bit. That you know, uh, maybe perhaps an older generation of comics artists is getting excluded. Right. Maybe yeah. can't get past the jury. The juries. Right. And uh, the lotteries are another t- uh, topic there. Yeah, and I think another complaint, another feeling of grumpiness is that some people feel that you know the demand is there. Like there are enough fans who want to get in. And there are enough exhibitors who are worthy who want to exhibit that maybe they should take a chance and get a bigger space, but they're happy in their basement, and so they don't move out of you know the beautiful church basement right, or right, the, right. the site that they've used for ten years and started at with when they were small. Well, right. But you know it's their show, and they have a right to make it however size they want. But you know I think that might be a source of some of the friction. you know I think I think also what Bissett specifically was talking about is again as he's on the faculty of CCS and they have a class that I think is limited to fifty people a year. I mean twenty five seniors and twenty you know twenty five overclass twenty five underclass whatever they call them. And so they turn out about 25 cartoonists a year. And you know what? They've been around for like five or six years. So do the math. That's, you know, a few hundred cartoonists out there. Some of them done very well. Some of them uh, are not able to get into these calves. And, um, you know, you need to you need to get out there and you need to learn how to do these things. That is also part of the thing. I mean, I but guess... there's also more calves yeah, than ever before. And but, seemingly new ones starting up right. every year. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, my, my, you know, no room at the calf. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of 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 observations that that I would make, and you know, nobody owes you anything. First off, you know, you have to prove your you have to prove your worth yeah. somehow. Nobody all, said all, this was going to be yeah. easy. But now, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but you know, I think the reason why people have a sense of entitlement about things is that comics is the friendliest industry on earth it's like you know if you want to break into comics you just make a comic and you hand it to someone and you've made a comic that's it welcome to the club you're in and i mean that's literally the entrance bar yeah and so you some higher bars have to be set at some point uh or else it's not going to work well I, I think part of it also is that in a lot of other genres there is a stigma to diy there's a stigma yes. to having done it all yourself and not having had a gatekeeper said, yes, you can do it. Whereas in comics, like it's a stamp of honor that you did it all by sure. yourself. Absolutely. And so I think some people mistake being accepted by the community as a whole for somehow having a right to be accepted everywhere within the community. Right, right. Which, I mean, is just not going to work for anybody, but I ever. Think the, the issue of, like, older, in fact, veteran cartoonists, even veteran uh, alternative cartoonists, mm-hmm. not being able to get it. I mean, that's a sticky question that it's hard to know how to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, th- if David Chelsea can't get into... I mean, to me, there's certain people that should be just waved in. Yeah. <laughs> I do know, but maybe, <laughs> maybe but there the, needs well, to be... But there's uh, only so many tables, so... so. Maybe there should be a calf aimed at a different art Well, style. you know, well, Zach's sensitive sensibility. But, Zach's, well, he got into Witcher World, but I, he... I mean... But, you know, Zach... Well, you know what? Let me tell is you... That a, let that's me tell a prize or a booby prize? World. But let me tell you something, right? <laughs> Two things about that. First, Zach Soto, who runs Line Work, Nor- mm-hmm. NW, Northwest, which yeah. is the uh, Portland show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he responded in the thread and said, you know, we had you on the short list. And, you know, we had you on the wait list. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they... You know, it's not like... And it was a very small show. In fact, Line Work was so small... That they had different exhibitors on two days. They had a Saturday and Sunday. They had a whole different lineup of exhibitors on both days. So I mean, they're putting putting in effort. Yeah, try to. So was he saying that you could have gotten in, but you went ahead to Wizard World? No, no. He's saying that he almost he almost got in. They knew who he was. Is what they're saying, and they wanted to try to get him in, and they put him on the wait list, but it didn't work out. You know. Well, and and you know the thing about Wizard. Well, I I mean at least he acknowledged like you know who are you David Chelsea but you know I mean at least he was trying to soften the blow a bit I think uh, you know with Wizard World you know what these guys are very much trying to fill Artist Alley and there's a lot of people that they are inviting to these shows I know Dean Haspel started going to Wizard World that's all they had Sam Alden at Wizard World hmm. and you know they are not at all I think you know the people who run these um, are not as prejudiced about a certain kind of comics yeah. as we might think sure. now I, said the I people think it's anybody who will make them money. I don't think it's that, actually. I don't think so. I think because they give them tables, it's actually not about making money for them, yeah. I think, with Artist Alley. I mean, they, they make money by bringing people into the con. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think that they were, I mean, we heard uh, one of the spokespersons for Wizard World speak at, uh, at New York Comic Con. Yes. And I think they understand that the comics world is changing. And they, yeah. they want to represent, I think they generally want to represent the new dem- demographic I, as well. I, I, you know what? Different I, kinds I of comics. I think that, I'll tell you what I think. I think I haven't been to a Wizard World, and uh, John <laughs> Macaluso keeps inviting me. And one of these days, I'll fly out to St. Louis or Albuquerque or someplace, and I will see one myself. But isn't there uh, one in Philadelphia? 
Uh, there is. Uh, I haven't been to that one in quite a while, though. That one's... Uh, I yeah. Love, I love Philly. Great food. Um, but they... You know, listen. Their bread and butter isn't comics. Everybody knows that. Their bread yeah. and butter is, is celebrities, nerd celebrities, and selling autographs. And they have an artist alley. And I think that they are just trying to fill seats at artist alley yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think they have... You know, I don't think they have a stigma about, oh, Dean Haspiel, you're not welcome here. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dean Haspiel is welcome there. So... Uh, but yeah. fine, is it really the audience for David Chelsea or Dean Haspiel? So, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay, I, so. Uh, well, let's let's move on a little quickly here. Um, the Valiant, <laughs> once again, has signed yet another movie deal with Sony, a five-picture deal. Yes. Yeah, for Bloodshot, Harbinger, and then future crossovers. Called between. Bloodshot, Harbinger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, we'll see how many of these actually materialize. Four of them are apparently basically initial and sequel pictures <laughs> to Bloodshot and Harbinger. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I have to say, I've, I've been reading comics for a long time, and I've got no freaking clue what either of those books are, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know too much about them either, but well, I'm Harbinger trying to get my act together. was created by Jim Shooter and David Lapham. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Well, so. I like both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I need to learn more about it, but certainly Valiant is interesting. Uh, this is sort of the second big movie deal yeah. in sort of less than three months that they've signed. Uh, Whatever else you can say about Valiant, you can't deny that they're business geniuses. And they've yes. got big ambitions. Um, and also, uh, but they should heed. We say keep saying this. They need to heed what Calvin just said. He's not familiar with either Harbinger or Bloodshot, and Calvin's a pretty well-read guy. So if he's not familiar, the movie-going public is not familiar either. Yeah. So and, yeah. And I am, uh, marketing I think, task. I think age-wise, I'm of a demographic that they you know want to be selling these movies to. And I'm a hardcore comic person, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I actually either. know some Valiant comics, even, and those two aren't among them. Yeah. But Well, I like Bloodshot. He's really well-designed. He looks really cool. All right. Well, well that's, that's good. That counts for a lot in, that a, in our world. Yep. So I, I, uh, I need to get... I'm the one who needs to get up to speed. Um, they're signing uh, movie deals with China and Sony, yeah. so well, I need to pay attention. Yeah. You know, Calvin, next time I get some books in... I'll All right. Let, uh, let me know. I'm going to go on a Valiant reading All bin. right. Okay. okay. You just made Fred Pierce very happy. All right. Okay. And um, speaking of unexpected people, getting lots of money... Uh, check, please. The biggest little comic you've probably never heard of. <laughs> a no uh, movie deals, but <laughs> no movie deals. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Kickstarter <laughs> gold. Yes, that's for sure. Now, check, please is run entirely off of Tumblr. It doesn't have its own dedicated site. You just go omg check please dot tumblr dot com, and you can catch up on the whole thing. It's um, a really beautiful comic drawn by Ngozi, a uh, SCAD um, current student, and it's it's just a sort of interesting, fun, lighthearted college slice of life comic about this, you know, college hockey player who is also a tiny little gay boy who likes to bake pie. Nice. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's, it's a, <laughs> like just a hilarious, fun, lighthearted, warm comic, and it has a lot of fans, but no one was really looking at it as like a huge financial juggernaut until it hit Kickstarter. And it funded its entire $15,000 goal within 20 minutes. Um, it's currently within, with 27 days left to go, as of this recording, at $43,000. Wow. Yeah. And um, it's really beautifully illustrated. Looks great. And to give you some contrast 
so that you can understand like what the current market, even within the last month, for LGBT interest comics are. Um, Fresh Romance, an ongoing romance comics anthology uh, run by Janelle Asselin, a, a well-known comics journalist who works with Comics Alliance, uh, made $53,000 and a bit in a month. Um, Spike Trotman running a campaign for, you know, pioneering beloved gay comic, the uh, true, the epic, the less than epic adventures of TJ and Amal, um, made $65,000 for a collection of the entire series in a month. I mean, and this is just for the first volume of Check, Please. So, I mean, it's, it's really just sort of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, no one's ever heard of her outside of her group of fans. But, I mean, I think this is someone to watch and a comic to watch. Kickstarter and it, continues to change the landscape for yeah. DIY comics publishing. Kickstarter yeah, and, and Tumblr. I would yeah. say yes, that... Yes, and that, Tumblr. A- absolutely. That, you Transforming know, the... Uh, right. Like, like, Nimona was the first of these to really, like, go, wait, where did you come from? Mm-hmm. Tumblr. Yeah. And I think I think check please may may get there too. Right, and uh, yeah, and you know Kickstarter is very aware. You know comics are we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, but comics are one of the most highly uh, absolutely uh, Kickstarterable. Co- yeah, well they have a very good success rate. Yeah, um, almost fifty percent. Right, but not not as high a per project um, per campaign, not as as high for each one. Mm-hmm. But you know, Kickstarter they don't maybe need it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying that you know Kickstarter is very aware that comics are very very important. They have a whole mm-hmm. comics department and. Um, and this you know. the uh, Spike Trotman who you mentioned, who's uh, I- who in this case uh, in um, the lesson. She's Epic acting Tales of as a Tales. publisher. She's acting as a publisher as opposed to self-publishing her, her own, own work, work, which she also does. And indeed has raised more than four hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter over all across all of her projects. Yes. I mean, it's really so, a startling. Amount so that's of money. part of what makes it interesting that um, the numbers for Check Please within like three days are so close to her numbers for a well-known comic because she really knows how to do Kickstarter well. She's a name. Uh, TJ and Amal is a name. And, you know, it's just an interesting contrast. Well, you know, it, it, it's also just, you know, there is no prevailing wisdom anymore. Um, I mean, honestly, if you'd asked me about this webcomic Check Please, I would have been like, you know, what, please? Uh, yeah. And I'll never check seen it. it out. And I've never heard, never heard of it. And yeah. guess what? It made $43,000 in four days. <laughs> And, you know, we we started out with a story about the superhero, you know, DC superhero girls. You know, people resisted that for a long time because they said girls don't like superheroes. And <laughs> uh, it's that has proven to be not, yeah. uh, you know, not true. Yeah. So there is no, you know. You know, as usual, these things where people say, you know, one group doesn't like this. What it Usually what they actually mean is. Um, we don't know group, how to sell it to them. Yeah, well, we, yeah, exactly. Or we don't know how to do one that they will like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, or it so, means I don't like yeah, so this I, idea. Exactly. Or I don't like them liking it. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. so. And so um, let's get on to the briefs. Yes. Yes. So um, speaking of breaking boundaries. Uh, Jaime Hernandez's The Love Bunglers won the L.A. Times Book Prize for Best Graphic Novel. Yes, yeah. Now, I mean, a lot of times there has been much outcry about the Hernandez's maybe not getting all the awards that some people feel they uh, deserve. But in this case, um, I think it was a 
a well-earned award. Absolutely. It and was. Absolutely. And they, they won out over a field of really impressive yeah, competitors. Yeah, very they, a um, lot of good uh, competition. But which it, was Ross Chess' book was in there. Yeah, uh, Oliver Schrauen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, Tamaki's. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that so, was the best yeah. in show. So. Yeah. Um, and... Speaking of, of best in show, this time for uh, certainly money making, Naruto, the shonen manga juggernaut, um, almost was over. It was over. It was the very last Naruto, except except there is a sequel miniseries. <laughs> mm-hmm. so a sequel Vampire mini- Ninja? <laughs> uh, no, no, he's not dead. He just went on to be adult and boring. But don't worry, he has a son, a son who looks just like him, whose name is Boruto. Mm-hmm, Boruto. <laughs> I'm not making that up, and American fans are not fond of the name, I must say. Anyway, it is going to be brought out in the United States in simultaneous translation because they know that all those Naruto fans are not going to wait six months to find out what happens next to Naruto's kids. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And um, one more thing. Um, So we all know that Daredevil has a television series that's coming out online on Netflix that has just come out. We will talk about it in our next group more to come. Yes, yes. But Uh, there is some actual news about it. You see, Daredevil, as most comic people are aware, is blind despite his superpowers. And so, unsurprisingly, he has a lot of blind fans. Only, oopsie, Netflix forgot they existed. And, um, yeah, did not have the usual um, audio translation of action that's usually available with television programs. Um, But there's a reason for that also. The the reason is that Netflix is not a television channel and thus is not legally obligated to do so. Under the American with Disabilities Act, internet companies are not necessarily required to do this. However. They're not required to do it. But given that it was a show about a blind character, uh, you would have thought they would have noticed there was a market. But as soon as they heard this was not going to happen, a large group of blind fans on the internet got together, started, you know, writing a letter campaign saying, hey, we're blind. We want to watch Daredevil. Can you help us with this? And Netflix listened, and it is now the first Netflix original series to be accessible to the blind. Yeah, Very yeah. good. And actually, well I think that I be. think that the uh, the article also talked about there are some legal entities around that are looking at the American Disabilities mm-hmm. Act to try to see whether they can push the interpretation to the broader side. Yeah, to essentially compel. Uh, media companies and tech companies, new you know, who aren't actually over-the-air broadcasters, yeah, that yeah, they have is, that they should think about complying with this law. Yeah, well. this is this is a different group of people around. Yeah, a yes, similar a, yeah, topic. completely different group. Yes, and yeah, with uh, more legal, similar minded, topic, yeah. which is you know now that it's not just yeah. some guy with a YouTube channel, but giant media companies. Yeah. Should they be under any uh, obligation to comply with the Americans yeah. with Disabilities Act? We don't know yet. More to come on yeah. that. But it certainly seems to me, for the goodwill of their fans, yeah, this is, should it, be this a no-brainer. A no-brainer, and yeah. it was great that they listened. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And yes. uh, so, as kudos a, to uh, and perhaps to in the next fans and, for good cause, and perhaps the next live edition of uh, this podcast, we will talk about Daredevil. And yes, um, yes, yes, because so. there may be more to come. We yes. definitely want to talk about it, and there will be more to come. 